Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Saints lose yet again. Strohs avoid the sweep. And the Raging Cajuns have named their guy as their starting quarterback. Woo! Good morning. Plenty to get to on this Monday edition of RP3 and Company with, that's right, the big, bald, and beautiful one, the Triple B, is back inside the game studios here in lovely Upper Lafayette. You can listen to us for the next three hours Right here on 1037 Lafayette or 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you're here in Acadiana and you want to see the Triple B in high definition, not to worry. You can catch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Tremendous show lined up for you today. We're going to talk a lot of Saints. We're going to talk a lot of LSU. A lot of Raging Cajuns. Going to talk some McNeese Cowboys as well. Houston Astros. Woo! We'll also touch on the adventures of yours truly in the Windy City. Who do we got lined up for you today? We got a murderer's row. We're like the 1927 Yankees up in here today to start off the week. Fresh from his vacation, Jeff Palermo, the co-host of Tiger Rag Radio and the sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network, will join us at 7.30. That's right. We're going to talk all things LSU. Who's got the leg up in the quarterback competition? Yet to be decided. We're getting closer. Yet to be decided as the Tigers start wrapping up fall camp and start to prepare for their season opener on Sunday, September the 4th inside the Superdome. That's right. They're going to be taking on Florida State. Talk all things LSU with Jeff at 7.30 this morning. At straight up 8 o'clock, making his RP3 and company debut, Matthew Travis, the new sports director at KLPC in Lake Chuck. Going to talk all things McNeese Cowboys. Gary Golf, first year at the helm, wrapping up his first fall camp in charge of the Cowboys. We'll talk all things McNeese at 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30 this morning, the Big Easy Blitz. Final Monday edition of that for the preseason. Final preseason game for the Saints is going to be Friday night inside the Dome. Sold out. Sold out. Against the Los Angeles Chargers. Breaking it all down for us will be our good friend, Ross Jackson, from the Locked on Saints podcast. So that's the lineup we got for you today. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. We love to hear from you. You know that. Hotline is open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. 
but we got to start off saying, what up, five names? Did you miss me? I did. I almost made the poll question without you knowing when is the next time that Ray will go out again? A day? <laughs> a week? Or a month? I missed you too. Came. Uh, I have a lot of great ideas that we're going to be able to utilize for the station, for the show, and for the station. As I was privileged enough to be able to attend Morning Show Boot Camp, the 34th annual Morning Show Boot Camp held in Chicago. Met a lot of great folks. Had great conversation with people coast to coast. We're talking Seattle, Wisconsin, Texas. Ran into Michelle Southern as well from Louisiana. Lots of great conversations had. Learned a ton. I was so inspired by my two days in the Windy City. Yes, did I try the deep dish pizza? I did. It was delicious. I'd never had any before. New experience for years, truly. It's so big. A slice of deep dish pizza is so big. Your boy only had two slices. Really? Because it's like two and a half inches thick. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense now. <laughs> it's 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 massive, man. It's massive. Did I have the deep dish pizza? Yes. Did I go witness where the fighting great Gazzolos play? Because you know he is a Chicago White Sox fan. Never been to a White Sox game before. Went. Tickets cost me. Wait for it. I bought. I was able to buy a ticket for a Major League Baseball game on a Wednesday. In a major market like Chicago, we just went up to the ticket office, said, I'd like a ticket. I was able to buy one for $8.50. No lie. No lie. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? <laughs> pretty good. Did see plenty of Astro jerseys in attendance, by the way. Ooh. Saw some Bregman jerseys, some Altuve jerseys, some Alvarez jerseys. So the Astro fans were in full effect. I will just tell you this, Jose Altuve gets booed. You hear it on television, but until you're in a visiting ballpark, you really don't understand how loud the boos are for him. They are deafening. And the second most boos are for Alex Bregman. They're not quite as quite as loud as Altuve. And then the rest of the team, they don't boo. It's just, even though there's other members, but, you know, those are the two guys, the faces of the franchise that were around for 2017 World Series title. So, great experience, but learned a ton for Morning Show Boot Camp. And, of course, we'll implement those things that I learned to make our show better and our station better for you, the listener. But let's start off. Plenty to get to on this Monday edition of RP3 and Company. So let's cue it up. It's time for the weekend that was. Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains. Serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed. Thank you. You've been happy. Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company. Let's get to NFL preseason. Let's get to New Orleans Saints preseason. Another loss. This time at Green Bay, I don't put a ton of value in wins and losses for the preseason. 
you know, there's been a lot being made about the Baltimore Ravens now winning the most consecutive preseason games in NFL history. That's great. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong. Congratulations. How many Super Bowl trips have they made during that stretch? How, how many? The answer you're looking for is zero. Preseason is the time for evaluation. Preseason is the time to figure out what you got. I pay more attention to what occurred during the week's worth of practices leading up to Friday night's second preseason game there at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers than I do the actual game. Game does not mean as much. It just doesn't. 20 to 10 loss. Chris Olave scores his first touchdown as a member of the New Orleans Saints. Right, big 20-yard touchdown catch. Boy, he sure does look like he's the real deal, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, all the reports from rookie minicamp then to minicamp to training camp is this guy just is ready. Sometimes you look up and you get a guy that's just ready. And I'm sure it helps Olave to have Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry in the wide receiving core. I know it does. But what do we make of the game? Low-scoring game, so you like that. Will Lutz, there are a few takeaways from Friday night's game. Will Lutz is back to being a bad man. Even before he got injured and missed all of last year, he had missed a step a little bit. He looked a little off at the end of the 2020 season, if you remember. Uh, my man was out there kicking 59-yard field goals like it was easy. I I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If they had Will Lutz last year, in a year where they started four different quarterbacks, including Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill and Ian Book, had no Michael Thomas, had two bouts of COVID, and still nearly made the playoffs, they didn't have Will Lutz either. He's worth two games alone by himself. So I know a lot of you are negative about this team. You bring back everyone, and then you improved your roster. Oh, and by the way, improving your roster also includes bringing back a guy who kicks 59-yard field goals with ease. He's worth a couple games just by himself. Lutz looked good. Chris Olave looked good. For the most part, the defense looked pretty good. Only gave up 289 total yards. Forced a turnover. Time of possession was pretty even. Trevor Penning looked good. My man was out there playing angry, mauling defensive lineman. A huge stride in improvement from the first preseason game to the second preseason game. We heard that he was doing well in practice all week as well. So Trevor Penning looking good. I still don't think he starts the season off at left tackle. Still don't think that happens. I think he begins the year as the Saints' sixth offensive lineman. But love the improvement you see out of the Rook. Love what you saw out of the other first-round draft pick rookie, Chris Olave, and the fact that Will Lutz was back. And the defense played fairly well. These are good things. Ian Book, meanwhile... 16 of 28 for 113 yards, a touchdown and an interception was sacked twice. Quarterback rating only 63. 
He led the team in rushing. Guess what? He lost a fumble, so two more turnovers. Two preseason games, two turnovers each game for Ian Book. That's not going to get it done in the National Football League. It's just not. But how much is he even going to play this year? Let's be honest. Probably not that much at all. They gave him all the snaps. Andy Dalton got to rest. So Book had the opportunity to get get him all the snaps in to prove that he belonged. He wasn't a dumpster fire, but he wasn't good either. Kid's just not ready yet. Will he ever be ready? Don't know. Really don't know. What we do know is that on Sunday, we got some news that made Saints fans tremble a little bit. Worrisome. I saw it on the social media platforms. Michael Thomas was held out of practice for a minor hamstring issue. Ooh. Hammies are difficult. Hammies are something that can keep popping up. This guy is coming off two seasons, essentially lost due to injury. Now we have a minor hamstring injury. I understand why Saints fans would be a little, as I would say, not feeling awesome about this news. And we'll touch base on it again. But once again, Dennis Allen says it's a minor thing. He addressed the media yesterday on why Michael Thomas was not there. But not awesome. Speaking of not awesome, if you're a Houston Astro fan, split the four-game set in Chicago against the White Sox. They lost the first two games in dramatic walk-off fashion. Remember, we talked about it last week. I was there for Wednesday's night's game, which they held on to win, and then they absolutely murdered the White Sox the next day during day baseball on Thursday. Just 20-plus runs. And then they went to Atlanta. And the defending World Series champions, who defeated the Astros in the World Series last year handed them back-to-back losses took the series now the Strohs were able to avoid being swept yesterday by gutting out a 5-4 victory they did so by getting two runs in the eighth a run in the ninth and they were able to hold off the Braves, who plated two runs in the bottom of the ninth for the 5-4 victory. Tucker came up big as he drove in a single that drove in Jordan Alvarez for the go-ahead run in the eighth, and the Astros were able to avoid the three-game sweep. Jose Arquiti pitched well. He picked up his 12th win of the season. You know, remember, he was the guy that could possibly be traded. He's just only gone around and got himself his 12th win. Pitched seven strong innings, only gave up two runs on five hits, struck out six, did walk two. The bullpen, the bullpen, once again, a little bit of an issue. 
as Brian Presley, of all people, came in and gave up the two runs there in the bottom of the ninth. Astros' bullpen has been a little shaky, if you will, the last month. They've had games where they've given up multiple runs. They did so again yesterday, but they were able to find a way, Presley was, to get out of it as they got the 5-4 victory. That said, despite having... They they take the Mariners series, and then it's a loss. They lose the series to the Red Sox. They split with the Guardians. Now they were able to win the A series, right? Then they play the A's in between. And then a split with Chicago, and then a series loss to Atlanta. So you don't know. You, you, You... you worry a little bit here. They took three or four from Seattle, lost two of three to Boston, split with the Guardians. They took two of three from Texas, swept Oakland, and then split the four-game series with Chicago and then were lost the series to Atlanta. They're back home at Minute Maid. They have the night off. They'll begin a three-game set against the Minnesota Twins starting on Tuesday. All three games of that series can be heard right here on the game. All three games will be at 7-10. Twins, Orioles, Rangers, Angels, Rangers, Angels are all up on deck for the Strohs. Time for them to build up some more momentum, if you will. Hey, nothing to be embarrassed by. Losing a series to the defending World Series champion. The supposed second-best team in the National League did so a few days before in the New York Mets as the Braves took a series from them as well. That's going to do it for the weekend. That was. We'll come back. Hey, those phone lines are open. Game hotline 337-706-0111. We'll also, though, hear from New Orleans Saints players and coaches That'll be next as well. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. That's right. The Astros are going to be taking on those Baltimore Orioles. Man, the O's. Whoo. They sure do look like a wild card team to me. They are playing great baseball, especially in the last two months. Stroh's O's, Saturday, August 27th at Minute Maid Ballpark. And guess what? You can be there. Go register in the game clubhouse today to score yourself four tickets. That's right, four of them. A tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. 
Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But you can only score yourself that Astros Weekend Getaway, O's Stros, four tickets, Saturday, August 27th, by becoming a member of our rewards club. So go sign up today. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. No excuse not to become a member of our rewards club so you can score yourself tickets for the Houston Astros. Let's get back to the New Orleans Saints. Once again, lost their second preseason game Friday night in Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers. Ian Book took all the reps, and it was another two-turnover performance by the young man, the former Notre Dame starting quarterback. Whew. I don't know if he makes the 53-man roster. I'm just being honest. Feels like he's going to be stashed to the practice squad. I would not be surprised if the Saints, needing value elsewhere, needing bodies elsewhere, decide to go with only two quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. Would not be surprised if that happens with just Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. And they say, Ian, you need some seasoning. You're our practice squad guy. But it just wasn't Ian Book that had some issues. It wasn't. It's just not him. They also had some mishandled snaps, which involved Ian Book, but also center quarterback exchanges got to get better. They got to get cleaner with the football. And Ian talked about, hey, those mishandled snaps during the game. There's no excuse for it. Got to get it. Been playing football too long. Got to get that figured out. Just in there working with, with a few centers, but that's part of it. That's preseason, and I uh, just got to keep working with them. He's right about it's preseason because that gives you the opportunity to clean these things up. But there's certain fundamental things you can't do. He turns over the ball too much. And you can kind of get away with that if you're a dynamic playmaker at quarterback before his knees got blown out back in the day Dante Culpepper was a bit of a turnover machine if anyone remembers Dante former Madden cover boy and Minnesota Vikings star quarterback but Dante could also have spectacular plays and put up big numbers in a game you just always had to deal with Dante fumbling the ball or Dante throwing an errant pass you can get away with turnovers, if your value, if your upside exceeds the negatives. Ian Book is not that talented. He's just not. He can't overcome that. One positive, though, was how good Chris Alave looked in his preseason game. Once again, caught a 20-yard touchdown, his first one of his NFL career, the rookie out of Ohio State, and Ian Book Talked about just how silky smooth Chris Olave is out there. We see, we see it, you know, day in and day out. Uh, his ability to get in and out of cuts um, in his routes, it's pretty special. You know, that's it's hard to teach. So he's got it. He'll build on it. And um, honestly, he's just, he's just fun to be out there with. He's a guy that uh, he's quiet, but he's having fun. And he doesn't think anyone can guard him, which is probably true. So it's cool to see that confidence from a rookie. Chris Olave has confidence. 
You see it in his play. You see how he performs. Ian Book, does he play confident? Not really. Not really. And he was asked after Friday night's game, how well did he think he did out there in Lambeau Field? You know, I thought I did better. was able to just learn a, a few mistakes from last week that I really wanted to focus on and just go out there. You know, I really wanted to go out there, have fun, be more vocal than last week, and just lead these guys to a victory. And we came up short. I thought we did some good things, but I also thought we hurt ourselves. And it's gonna, that's what DA is going to make uh, you know, a huge point on, is can't shoot ourselves in the foot with penalties. And it's just hard to start drives when you, when you got penalties. I'm a part of that. So penalties and turnovers, got to fix them. Got to clean that up. Penalties and turnovers, that starts with Ian getting better. And look, well, Andy Dalton didn't take a single snap in this game, right? Well, there's a reason behind that, and Dennis Allen explained why Book started the whole game. Yeah, you know, we felt like we got a good look at Andy last week. Andy got a ton of the reps this week in the practices. You know, so there was a lot of guys that got a, a bunch of reps in the practices that we wanted to hold in tonight's game. And, and so we got a good look at Ian, played the whole game. There were some, some positives, you know, and then obviously the, the negative really becomes the two turnovers. The problem for Ian is, once again, the positives don't outweigh the negatives. He's not that talented. You can overcome. Brett Favre made it a career. Speaking of Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers, Brett Favre made it a career of turning over the football in spectacular fashion, but he would also make up for it routinely because you'd get more good than bad from Brett. So you took it. And if you were Green Bay, you always took it because Favre made you better, even when he was a detriment to the team with costly turnovers. He still made you better. Ian Book does not make the Saints better. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Will Lutz looks like he's back in form, booting a nearly a 60-yard field goal. And he talked about that afterwards, you know, just how good it was to go out there, play, and have himself an old-fashioned, lengthy kick. Yeah, it felt good. It was good to get a long one out of the way uh, in the preseason, just to kind of validate the work we put in. Um, Zach and Blake have been awesome this whole training camp. And so having that confidence with them going into really any kick is, is huge, and that's what this time of year is for. I mentioned earlier if they would have had Will Lutz, a healthy Will Lutz last year, they would have won two more games. They went through five kickers. Five different kickers from preseason through the regular season. Five. You have Will Lutz, you win two more games. You're in the playoffs. Think about it that way. Having Will Lutz be back and be healthy is huge, and Dennis Allen spoke about that as well. Yeah, look, I, yeah, I think it's big. I think it's big. You know, he had a good, he had a good warm-up session. Prior to the game, we knew going that direction, we had a little bit of help with the wind. That's why we called the timeout right before the quarter so we so we had the wind behind us so we could get a little help on the 59-yarder. And it was great to see him kick it through. So another positive step for him. Another positive step for him. Hannah's excited because producer extraordinaire five names drafted Will Lutz in a fantasy football league. So... She's very, very happy about that. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I got Will Lutz. I mean, preseason doesn't count, but you're ready. You're excited about him being a game changer for you. That's good. I like that. I like that.
<laughs> oh, five names. God bless you. One more Saints thing, and that actually leads us to our poll question of the day. So in the preseason game, Blake Gilkin punted the ball, what, 80 yards? It was a ridiculous punt. And he's looked really good during camp, and he's looked really good during the preseason. Looks like he's going to be a weapon to be able to flip the field for the Saints. So he has this monster punt in the preseason game against the Packers. And then he announces on Twitter, (laughs) this is yesterday, he sends the text message from the NFL because they send you a text message now. And he he tagged this screenshot, punt at your own risk, because he had the 81-yard punt in the game against the Packers. And says, Blake, this is so-and-so, and he marked it out, he blacked it out, with the NFL's drug testing. You were selected for a random in-season drug test. The test will take place today at the facility. The test should be completed before the team meeting at 10 a.m. Boots an 81-yard punt in a preseason game, and all of a sudden is randomly drug tested. That leads us to our poll question of the day. (laughs) The NFL just can't can't help themselves. Do you believe Gilkin's drug test was in fact random, as the NFL would like you to believe that it is? 78% of you say no, he punted it 81 yards. 11% say maybe coincidence happened, and another 11% say yes, the NFL wouldn't lie. (laughs) Who's voting the NFL wouldn't lie? unbelievable keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day i see some of you have already commented we'll share those comments before we wrap up our number one but we got to take a timeout. more rp3 and company coming up we're going to talk little lsu and ul that's right fall camps for both of those college teams we'll get to that next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. College football's gearing up for the start of the season. Woo. Lots of question marks for the UL Raging Cajuns, who's going to be the starting quarterback, but we had some clarification on that over the weekend. Multiple sources coming out, including our very own Mr. Matthew Amiguez saying that the man who had been the backup quarterback, if you will, for Levi Lewis the past two seasons, Chandler Fields has been informed that he is going to be the starting quarterback to start the 2022 season for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. No confirmation from UL, but multiple reports are coming out that is saying that. So, that could be interesting. 
I, I thought it was going to be Chandler, to be perfectly frank with you. I did. He'd been the primary guy. Wolverine was going to push him. They were going to have an open competition. But I'm not surprised at all that it ends up being Chandler Fields. Just don't. And Coach Dez talked about just how close this competition was. Yes, we know now by reports that they've decided to go with Chandler Fields as the starting quarterback. But when he spoke to media on Saturday following the scrimmage, their final one of the preseason, he was asked, just how close is the quarterback competition? Well, you know, I'll talk a little bit more specifically about it kind of after we get, you know, after we get there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was difficult, you know, early on. Um, it was a lot of back and forth. But, you know, it kind of became it became a little more obvious as we got through the middle of camp. And even, you know, today you guys got to see it, how close it's been. Um, it was closer than that going into it, you know. So, you know, those guys have, those guys have competed their tails off. And, you know, I've told you from the beginning that I, I felt like we had two great options that are ready to go right now, plus some that are really close to it and will be at some point. So, you know, you guys kind of got to see a little bit of all that today. It's a good problem to have. Shoot, whenever you got a bunch of quarterbacks that you feel confident in, it's a good thing. It'll be interesting to see how quick of a hook they have on Chandler if he struggles. Because when you have a, a quarterback competition that's this close, that is razor-thin close, if the guy that you pick struggles, will Coach Dez have the confidence of letting him push through his struggles, or will they pull him for the backup? That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out throughout the season. Because, look, Chandler was a very good high school football player. He's been the backup. He's been in the system. They trust him. He was a valued recruit early on. Doesn't mean that he can be the guy. He has to prove that on the field. Will they let him have his growing pains? Remember, Levi Lewis had growing pains early on. He did. Will Coach Dez be patient and let Chandler go through the growing pains of being a first-time starting quarterback. That's going to be interesting to see. We spent a lot of time talking about the offensive line. They lost guys to the transfer portal. They lost even more to graduation. They have guys coming in that are experienced, some with starting experience, some with playing experience that are in the mix. They're going to fill out the offensive line. Depth is going to be the big question mark for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. How do they look? How did they fare during the scrimmage? And how do they look to this point of fall camp? Jeff and Brian are, are really good football coaches. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's no there's no denying it. And, you know, those guys work really hard at it. Um, I think the thing that I appreciate the most about our coaches is, you know, you can have this plan kind of in place going into it. And as things progress, the plans have to change constantly inventorying the things that you've got to improve on, right? And our defense, they, they've got, we've got some good pass rushers up there. So, you know, pass pro is something that, you know, we work it every day, and they do a great job. They work the games. They work the techniques that it takes to win one-on-ones pass rushes. I mean, it's one of the hardest things to do in the world, in my opinion, is play tackle out there on an island and have to kick slide out there to a nine technique and then pass prone long enough for a quarterback to get the ball off. So they just, they're really good teachers. Um, they've inventoried techniques, and, and they got those guys, you know, 
I know the, the, everyone's talking about the guys we lost up front. A lot of those cats have played a lot of football, though. Rubio, Nate played a lot for us in the year, David Hudson, A.J. Gilly. All those guys that, were, that are in there, I mean, a lot of them have played a lot of ball. So, you know, you, you go through it and you say, well, you got a little bit more of a veteran group than what I think people kind of speak on, which is fine. But those guys, I mean, they, they're, they're pros, man. I mean, they take the coaching and they, they make corrections and they get better. And they get better. And that's what it boils down to. Reports are, though, Chandler Fields is going to be the starting quarterback, so that's one answered question. We'll figure out who the starting five are going to be across the offensive line for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Rubio is definitely going to be there. I feel like maybe Jax Harrington, the former Erath High Star, who got some playing time before getting hurt last year, he'll be in the mix. They'll have some experience with the starting five. They'll have to develop chemistry. But UL has been a, you know, factory for the NFL across the offensive line. Max Mitchell, Kevin Dotson, Robert Hunt. <laughs> you know, last few years, they've sent some guys on. They sent another guy on to the transfer portal to the University of Florida, and he's going to be a starter in the SEC with draft prospects around him as well. So, got the quarterback figured out. You're good at wide receiver. I don't think it really matters who the backup running backs are behind Chris Smith. After that, got to figure out that offensive line. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we'll wrap up hour number one and we'll do so hearing from Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 to Chops Specialty Meats. A new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club right now today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win the ultimate tailgate giveaway. We want you to be the tailgating king, but we can't make that happen if you don't become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. LSU. Gearing up for the season. Two-quarterback race. Who is it going to be? That hasn't been decided yet. But the Tigers are getting closer and closer, getting ready for Florida State inside the Superdome to open up the 2022 season. The first under new head coach, Brian Kelly. Kelly spoke with the media over the weekend, and he had lots to say. And let's start off with that quarterback race. What's the latest for the Tigers? It's pretty clear that it's Nussmeyer and it's Daniels, and they just have more experience, you know, than Walker Howard. Walker's done a great job, but I think, you know, his situation now would be an emergency situation, and, you know, can we redshirt, right? That's kind of where we're at right now. So it's a two-man race, extremely competitive. You know, Jalen 
does some really good things. You know, obviously his ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly. It's not just, you know, a guy that runs, you know. He threw the ball at a 65% completion ratio last year. Pushed the ball down the field very well today. Nuss made some really good plays as well. Unblocked edge player coming at him, gets the ball out of his hands. So this is going to be, look, I wouldn't be surprised if they both get the opportunity to play at some time this year, but we're going to have to name a starter, and that's going to happen here pretty quickly. Do we take anything in him mentioning Nussmeyer first? See, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be a tough decision for them because Jane's footwork has been the issue. So I, we'll see. We may find out something this week on who the starting quarterback is going to be for LSU this coming season. What about the running backs, especially considering the news that broke over the weekend, courtesy of Brody Miller of The Athletic? That LSU running back John Emery has been suspended for the first two games of the season. The suspension stems from his original 2021 season academic suspension. Still can't get the grades right. So what can they do at running back? Brian Kelly talked about the running back room. Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, you guys know the situation with with John Emery. Really can't get into the specifics of that because of you know the Buckley Amendment. But he's certainly a guy that's going to be part of what we do this year. Then Noah Kane, as I mentioned, was really impressed with him today. Amani is is a guy that we're going to count on. You know, Williams has has been probably as consistent as as any back that we've had. And Nick Demas has done a really nice job. So Leonard Fournette is not in that backfield. I mean, so, you know, we don't have like that marquee guy, if you will, but all of them, you know, complement each other very well. And, and I think we'll be very effective at that position. I think each one of them can contribute in a manner that will allow us to be successful at the position. Noah Kane has the opportunity to seize the seize control of being the running back number one because Emory can't get his grades right. So Noah better take advantage of it and ball out those first couple of games because if he does that, it's going to be his job. Plain and simple. What there's not question marks about quickly is the edge rushers, Mason and the others, and that's what Brian Kelly had to say as well over the weekend. Yes, he's going to play right away. And yeah, I think all the adjectives that you use, I mean, he's fluid, he's smart, he understands the offense very well. Kind of the nuances of the position come to him easily. And, and because of that, look, he's 247 pounds too, and he moves really well. The game comes to him, you know, quite easily. You know, I, I think the bloodlines there are pretty good. So, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna play a lot for us. And him him and uh, you know the two tailors, um, you know Jack will give us what he can give us as well. And I feel so much better about that position now than I did you know probably after the spring. LSU, Florida State inside the Superdome will be there. I'll be there. Can't wait to see that season opener. Hour number one is flown by, but not to worry. We got two more hours. For you. It's all coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, football season's gonna be here in no time. 
lickety split. Think about this for a minute. We are less than two weeks away. Less than two weeks away from the start of college football and high school football season. That's how close we are. Not this coming weekend. I'm going to pull up the old calendar on the old phone. This coming weekend is Friday the 26th, Saturday the 27th. Now, we do have college football, what I call the Bobo Week Zero college football. This is something they created about seven, eight years ago. Week zero. What do you mean week zero? Weeks don't start at a zero. Stop it. But you will have some college football starting this weekend. But then Labor Day weekend comes. High school football. We have a full slate for you here at Delta Media. We got the St. Thomas Moore Cougars right here on the game. You're going to be able to listen to them every Friday night. Danny Jones on the call on 103.7 Lafayette. In Lake Charles on 104.1, the game, the Bar Buccaneers. Back better than ever. Lots of buzz about the Bucs this year. Acadiana High comes to Delta Media. We're excited about that. They're going to be on MeTV FM, 97.7 FM, 1330 AM. The Reckon Rams come to Delta Media. Karen Crow High Bears, those Golden Bears, Z1059. They're just a few years removed from a state championship run. They're going to be playing up in Class 5A this year. Speaking of Class 5A, Southside High Sharks. They're going to be on Mustang 1071. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week. We're talking North Vermilion. We're talking Erath. We're talking Abbeville. VC. Gate on. Boom. Vermilion Parish Game of the Week is going to be on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. And then finally, the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week which will feature the broadcast team of some guy named Raymond Parts III and Chad Jones, Mr. LSUE. We're going to put the spotlight on St. Landry Parish. We're talking Opelousas Catholic, Opelousas High, Port Berry, Northwest, Eunice, WCA, St. Ed's, Beauchamp. What? North Central. We're going to be doing a game at North Central. High school football. Can't wait. That is begins Labor Day weekend, Friday, September the 2nd. That weekend will also be what I call the official opening weekend of college football. Raging Cajuns are going to be at home. Taking on Southeastern Lions. Southeastern may have their hands full. No Cole Kelly there. Just saying. They'll be kicking off that Saturday. McNeese will be on the road at Montana State up in Bozeman, Montana. So if you want to make the trip up there, McNeese fan, I'd go ahead and recommend leaving now. It's a bit of a journey. Those games will be on Saturday. On Sunday, Labor Day weekend, LSU will take on Florida State. 6.30 will be kickoff inside the Superdome, in the Caesars Superdome. Seminoles, Tigers, battling it out. We're that close. We talked a lot about college football. 
in hour number one. Heard from Brian Kelly, LSU head coach. Quarterback competition still yet to be decided. Everyone feels like it's going to be the Arizona State transfer because he's got the year of eligibility. He transfers in. He's got a ton of experience. But it's one thing to play in the Pac-12. It's another thing to play in the SEC. Different level of competition. Just is. Different level of competition. But part of me feels like it's going to be Garrett Nussmeyer. And if the veteran wants to go, then he can go. But you heard Kelly kind of hedge his bets a little bit when we heard from him in hour number one, where he essentially talked about, you know, both guys are going to play. Both guys are going to play this season. And Walker Howard is going to more than likely get a red shirt, will be used in case of an emergency. They got edge rushers. They feel good about them. They feel good about the linebacking depth. Back end, it's going to be a lot of different starters there, but they've had a good camp. Running backs, Noah Kane has an opportunity to seize the starting role because, well, Emory can't get his act together with his books. Going to be suspended now for the first two games of the season due to academic issues. They're loaded at wide receiver. Kayshawn Butte, former Westgate High Star. Jack Besh, Malik Neighbors, 337 stand-up. By the way, Sage Ryan's going to be a starter, I keep getting told, in the defensive secondary. Former LCA star. So, there you go. Tons of 337 flavor going to be starting for the Tigers. Who's going to be quarterback And is the offensive line actually fixed? That's the big question mark for LSU. We focus so much on quarterbacks because that's how we're just built. Modern sports fan, focus on the QB. Focus on the QB. Focus on the QB. I am more concerned about what I'm going to see inside the Superdome by that offensive line. Florida State isn't very very good, by the way. They haven't been very good for since Jimbo Fisher cratered the program and left to go to Texas A&M. But if LSU's offensive line struggles against Florida State's defensive line inside the Superdome, that's going to be a bad sign for the season. Because Florida State's not very good. I mean, there's talk about if their coach doesn't have a good season, he's going to get fired. That's where the Seminoles program is right now. They're a bit of a mess. Can Brian Kelly fix the offense line? Because I don't care if you put Garrett Nussmeyer back there. I don't care if you put Burt Jones back there or Joe Burrow. I don't care who you put back there. If you don't make that offensive line better, it won't matter. Just won't matter. So LSU got the big question mark for me is the offensive line. Offensive line is somewhat of a question mark as well for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns even though I feel like they have more experienced guys on that line and guys that they trust more. Sources say Chandler Fields is going to be the starting quarterback. We know who that is. They have a lot of depth at wide receiver as well. They're not as high-end talented as, say, LSU is. They don't have a Kayshawn Butte. I like Jefferson. I like Peter LeBlanc. They're, they're not Butte. Good. But they got depth and experience there. 
got Chris Smith back at running back. Chandler Fields has been in your system now for, what, two years? Two, three years? Defense is going to be salty. Figure out the offensive line. Could be a really good season for the Raging Cajuns. Once again, I'm old school. Well, I know we always focus on the quarterbacks. I get it. I understand. It's sexy. But all the teams that have new head coaches, LSU, UL, McNeese, and the New Orleans Saints, you know what the big question mark is for all of them? While you focus on quarterback, that's not the question mark. The question mark for all of them is offensive line. I don't care how talented you are at quarterback. I don't care how how much speed you got on the outside at wide receiver. I don't care how I don't care if you have the second coming of Marshall Falk in your backfield at any four of those locations. It does not matter if the offensive line doesn't do their job. And McNeese has question marks across the offensive line. UL has question marks on O-line. LSU has question marks on O-line. And the Saints have question marks on O-line. How funny is it that all four teams have first-year head coaches that all have question marks at, wait for it, offensive line. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on, Chad, to the show. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Uh, a couple of things, man. Hey, guys, listening to, because uh, uh, I work in Baton Rouge, obviously, listening to some of the guys, that former players that have been at practice, the offensive line has been somewhat dominating the defensive line. Uh, right now, uh, talking, listening to a few of them, that's least of their concerns is the offensive line. Yes, they have some a couple of issues, but uh, they've been improving every week according uh, to some of these guys. And the John Emery thing, when Brian Kelly gets to the podium and he, and he says John Emery has done everything we've asked of him uh, and more, to me it's an NCAA uh, issue. Like how does Reed Gilbert uh, qualify when he goes to, uh, to Georgia? And all, I, I think it's – I mean, he, did, he's, he missed all of last season. Uh, I think there's more, more – I, I don't know what's going on with that, man. I think the NCAA is just an, is acting like NCAA. Uh, how they do, but Chad, um, but, but Chad, I, I, Ch- Chad, that's let me ask you this, said. Chad, let let me step in, and 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 call me rigid on this, if you will. The kid knows what he has to do in the classroom before he steps foot on campus. Okay, so I, I get kids struggle. I'm a guy that dropped out of college and had to go back in my 30s to get my degree. I understand that it's a challenge, but all these kids. Every single kid that goes and plays college athletics understands they have to remain academically eligible. They're told about it over and over again when they're in high school all the way through. Is there an excuse for a guy that's been in the program for three years not to be academically eligible? Is there any excuse? Right. So Brian Kelly, as academically as much as he is, why 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 did he say yesterday that he's done everything we've asked him to and that he can't comment on the rest? Not that's Chad. That that's a valid question, but that's not my point. The, he's done everything they've asked for him to do to get back to being academically and, and eligible. More, and more. What, but but Chad, Chad, it's not a witch hunt by the NCAA. Okay, you, you put so? yourself. You don't think, they, you don't think the Chad, NCAA Chad, is not at fault at all and Chad, does nothing wrong? Chad, Chad, it's not what I'm saying. Simmer down. It's not what I'm saying. It's Monday, bud. You got to pace yourself. First of all. Second of all. I'm paceful. I'm paceful. <laughs> okay, but you're making me worried about you now. You made it's only Monday. Uh, 
I, I, to worry about, but I, I, I get it. I, I get the frustration. Here's the thing. Once you put yourself in that position where the NCAA is determining your eligibility for academics because you've screwed it up, you, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't allow yourself to do that. That's what Brian Kelly's telling you. They've tried to do everything to get him right. That's what he's telling you. The NCAA is a dumpster fire. We all agree to that. They are a train wreck. They're not consistent. They have no backbone. Uh, we could talk three hours about how awful they are as an organization right. and as a group. I agree with all your points there. My bigger point, though, is you cannot allow yourself to be put into that situation because once you put yourself in that situation, you're allowing somebody else that's inconsistent, that's incompetent to dictate your future. That's right, my right. That, that's my bigger thing with, with Emory is that I just want to shake him and say, dude, <laughs> like because once you go down this road, we've seen this over and over again, haven't we? Once we've seen this, once you go down this road, getting back is more challenging than even getting to college. Like, this is going to be a huge thing. So when Brian says that, I totally agree. I think Kelly, because he understands academic standards to begin with because of his time at Notre Dame, he understands what they have to do to get John academically eligible, and he's done everything they've asked him to do. I totally agree with that, and I believe that. The problem is, is that John put himself in such a bad position under Coach Ed Orgeron that now you're depending on the NCAA to do the right thing. And if you depend on the NCAA to do the right thing, you're going to lose every single time. All every right, time. One more question. You think, one more question. You think all these kids that transfer two or three times, you think uh, a lot of these kids are academically uh, eligible? I'll just hang up and listen to you. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call, Chad. And no, I don't believe they, they are. See, that's the thing that we don't talk enough about. And I always, I always go, okay. Why is this guy leaving? Anytime a player transfers, you have to think academically, are they where they need to be? And isn't that why? Because remember back in the day, and, and Chad brings up a great point, back in the day, a guy would transfer out and go to JUCO under the, the veil of, well, he's going to go work on his game so he can get a better opportunity. When in reality, he was going to junior college to get his grades right. That's what you used to do. You would go to JUCO to get your grades right. Hell, I went to junior college out of high school to make sure my, gra my grades were where I needed to be, and I didn't even play sports. <laughs> okay? That's what junior colleges used to do. Well, now you're, you're not even needing the junior college because you're having players just simply transfer due to the portal. They can just come and go as they please. So if things aren't working out well academically, they can just transfer out. And they may not be academically eligible at the institution they were at, but they can transfer, right? And then they can take a couple classes in the spring that are easy classes, and all of a sudden now their GPA meets the requirements of that school because each academic institution is different with their restrictions and what their regulations are of being academically eligible to play there. The NCAA has theirs, but each school has theirs as well. So that's, that happens all the time. <laughs> all the time. Chad coming with the straight fire on a Monday. I love it. Let's go back out to the hotline. Welcome on Brian to the show. Brian, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Just a little clarification. Brian Kelly said that Emory did everything football-wise correctly. He didn't say anything about academically. He actually stated that he couldn't comment on academics. 
Right, because because of the rule. But right. from for, but but from reports is is that he has done everything that they expected him to do. I, I've been told that the the issue with John stems from last year because his grades and the classes and everything are, are were in such bad shape. Like like the fact that he's even on campus is surprising to me. That's what I've been told. Is that yeah, sure it was so bad. In, in, right. In right, right. It's so bad. So. If he's only going to be suspended for two games, and now, right, they can't comment on it if if we're just speculating here, Brian. That tells me that he's maybe having to take another test or something like that. But, you know, the the semester started, right? It's, it's begun already at LSU. So what this tells me, a two-game suspension is, okay, He he'll be back in time before even midterms. So that tells me maybe there's some type of other – test that needs to be retaken for him to to hur- clear that hurdle that's why it's only two games if, if i'm speculating that's what i think's going on we lost brian thank you for the phone call brian hope you have a great day yeah today is the first day of classes at lsu so Missing the first two games. So if today's the first day of classes, which means we'll have two weeks of classes, then the opener, then we'll, he'll miss the first two games of the opener. So that means the first full month of classes, that, that tells me that he's probably having to retake a final or retake another class or something like that. Some sort of test that has to be done for him to be cleared. Because if he wasn't that close he wouldn't be eligible for the whole semester. He wouldn't be eligible until midterms. But that tells me that he's close enough to be able to get back. Once again, they can't speak on those type of things when it comes to academics because of a rule, and that's designed to protect the student-athlete. That's what that's designed for. But once again, I I go back to my, my, my bigger point. These kids have to know. Like, look, the requirements to being to playing football in the SEC academically are not high. They're not. Let, 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 let's just have an honest conversation. They're not. You have to do the bare minimum. If you do the bare minimum, and trust me, I've interviewed enough of these guys, and you can pick up when you talk to a guy on or off the record, there's been times where I've interviewed college guys, high school guys and college athletes where I go, he struggles. Like you can tell. You're not stupid. You can tell. And there's courses at every school, LSU, UL, Alabama, Texas, USC. It doesn't matter where you're at. There are courses designed specifically for the student athlete, specifically student athletes that struggle. But you have to put in the work. John didn't put in the work. He struggled. And you got to know that. And, 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 and once again, back to Chad's phone call. If you leave it up to the NCAA now, forget it. Game over. They're going to, hey, they're going to screw it up because they're incompetent. You take it out of your hands where you control what you make. Now, I hate to be rigid about this, but John Emery, could have controlled this, could have avoided all of this. 
if he would have taken care of the business in the classroom. And the people around him, his inner circle, would have helped him take care of business in the classroom. He could have avoided all of this. He could have avoided last year and this year. Period. You got to take care of the business. If you don't, this is what happens. Because now you're dependent on an incompetent organization to determine your fate. Game over. Got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update that poll question of the day. Do you believe it's just a coincidence that the NFL decided to randomly drug test the New Orleans Saints punter after he booted a ball 81 yards in a preseason game? <laughs> we'll get to your comments. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Soccer? Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on The, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at even a bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team to score first, and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of age or older to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager, $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions do apply, so you got to make sure to see terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Licensee partners, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you got a gambling problem, call 877-770-STOP. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. We're about five minutes away from having Jeff Palermo Join us from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio to talk all things LSU. But our poll question of the day, Gilkin, stud punter for the New Orleans Saints, booted the ball 81 yards in Friday night's preseason game against the Green Bay Packers. Following day, he gets notified of random drug testing time. <laughs> our poll question of the day, do you believe his drug test is random? 76% of you say uh, no. He punted it 81 yards. 12% say maybe. Coincidences do happen. 12% of you say yes, the NFL wouldn't lie. Let's get to some comments. Ton on Twitter says, you ever notice players get randomly drug tested after some amazing feat of athleticism? Seriously, wasn't there a running back who got randomly selected like three or four times in a five-week period last year? JPK, the OD, says, no way. We all know Roger Goodell hates the Saints. Hart says, I got to see Gilkins warm up and leg and practice in Dome yesterday. That's right. They practiced inside the Caesar Superdome yesterday. When I tell you he was effortlessly kicking 60 to 65 plus yards on punts, 
he is the real deal. John Paul, Cajun Daddy, says, I believe it was a coincidence, but the young man played it like the pro that he is. That, that was a crazy, amazing punt. I mean, 81 yards. Wow. And Ralph Bergeron has commented as well on the Twitters. Sure, I believe it, but I also believe in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Two Fairy, Leprechauns, the Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, and that pro wrestling is real. I'm told I might be gullible, quote, end quote. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. <laughs> Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Ralph also has chimed in at me. He goes, if Brian Kelly could make the playoffs twice with Ian Book, I'm not worried about the LSU quarterback. Agree, O-line is a huge question mark. Yeah, I don't think it matters if it's Nussmeyer or, or Jaden. Really doesn't matter. We got to take a timeout. When we return here, our first guest of the week and our first guest of today's show, Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Ag Radio will join us talking all things Bayou Bengals. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Who is going to be starting under center for LSU when they take on Florida State inside the Caesar Superdome? in less than two weeks from now is the offensive line better we keep hearing that it is practice keeps sounding like they're doing a good job and what about the defense to break it all down for us is the man in charge of so many things he's the news and sports director for the louisiana radio network he's also co-host of tiger rag radio our good friend Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, bud? What's going on? Tell me. Yeah, I'm just going to let you talk about whatever you want to talk about. How about that? Welcome back from vacation. <laughs> what do I want to talk about? I don't know. I don't have an opening statement, as uh, Mike Leach would say. Oh, nice, 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 <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Uh, we could talk about me trying deep dish, deep dish pizza for the first time in Chicago late last week, but you know, you and I all have that conversation off the air. So let's get to what people really want to talk about, and this is the 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 Emory situation. Uh, what, what can you tell us? I, I know Brian Kelly can't speak about academics, but we yeah. we keep hearing reports that that Emory's going to be suspended for the first two games of this season. That's carryover from last year's full season suspension. Uh, give us the recap here. How did we even get here? So apparently when he was suspended last year uh, as a result of an academics issue, it was a 15-game suspension. So the, that's the way the NCAA looked at it is that in an entire season, if you, if you play it all out, um, you know, if there was an S, if there was a, I guess if they played in the SEC championship game or played in a playoff game or whatever it may be, yeah, if you play in the SEC championship game, play in the semifinal game, and play in the national championship, along with your 12 regular season games, that obviously adds up to 15. So LSU only played in 13 games last year, so there's still two more games left. And what the uh, coaches uh, or what LSU is um, trying to say, hey, uh, the guy's in good standing. 
Uh, he's done everything that uh, he's been asked out of him uh, with since uh, Brian Kelly's been on board. Uh, why do we need to? Could, could we just? Um, could we? Uh, could we just say? Could we get just? Could we not have the, him be suspended for these first two games? But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the NCAA has not. Um, you know, looked very fondly on this case to begin with. I mean, Emory Jones had a had a lawyer out of Alabama last year to try to contest his suspension. Um, there was a lot of grumbling that it was unfair, and he didn't catch a break last year. So I would imagine he he will not catch a break this season, and he'll find himself um, not on the field when LSU plays Florida State in the season opener and the Southern Jaguars in the home opener. Golden opportunity for Noah Kane. How confident are they are in the young man? Well, Brian Kelly talked about his running back room on Saturday, and he said, hey, we don't have a Leonard Fournette here. There, there's not that kind of guy that uh, is going to be a game-breaker, but I think they feel really good about the group as a whole. And so, yeah, this is a, a huge opportunity for Noah Kane. And then Armani Goodwin is the other guy that has been getting first-team reps. So for those two guys in particular, and then you got Josh Williams in there as well, I mean, I think you can add him in, into the mix. So between those three guys, are, it's going to be an excellent opportunity for one of them. And if you go back to the 2019 season, I don't know if anybody ever thought that Clyde edwards Elair would be really become the – the sole main running back that they would use all season, but that's the way it turned out because he he played so well at the beginning and, and kind of took the baton and ran with it, and that might have, that might be able to happen here with a guy like Noah Kane if if he really runs the ball very well against Florida State and has a productive night, he might be the main back. But uh, well, and they did the same thing I, in 2018 as well with Nick Brissett. Right? No yeah, one, Nick Brosette had a good game in the season opener against Miami, and it, he ended up rushing 4,000 yards that season. So, yeah, I, I think you, you go into it thinking that you're going to play a, a lot of backs, uh, but if, if one guy really excels right off the gate and he seems to have the hot hand, you just keep giving him the ball. But overall, I think Brian Kelly feels pretty good about where he's at with the running backs because uh, I think he, he likes them all. Uh, the three guys they got, and the good news, I guess, on the Emory Jones situation, he'll be back in week three. So um, they'll have, I think, four running backs that they can that they feel like they can count on that could uh, that that could produce some results for them. Who do you think is going to be named the starting quarterback, and when do you think that's going to take place? I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels, and I think. We're probably going to hear something here sooner rather than later, I think. And I think you're also going to hear that both guys are probably going to play uh, during the course of the season. So the next time that Coach Brian Kelly speaks with the media is tomorrow night. There's there's going to be another scrimmage that night. Uh, does he make an announcement after that? Maybe not. Um, but could he potentially make an announcement come a week from today when he meets with the media to discuss the season opener against Florida State? I think that's possible. And I, I think he'll sit there and say as well that 
both guys are going to get an opportunity during the season. So, um, but I think, you know, they're, they're going to lean on Jaden Daniels. I think you're talking about the guy that's got more experience at this point. Uh, he's been running with the number ones here lately. Um, so, and again, I think that's still a position, though, that Brian Kelly, I, I think, feels pretty good about, that he's got two guys that he can turn to. Uh, but it, it, still, the, the quarterback position is, to me, the big X factor with this team. I mean, if they if they really get some great quarterback play uh, this year, I mean, you're talking about, a, in my mind, you're talking about a 9- or 10-win team. Um, if they don't, then, yeah, they, they, they're going to win seven or eight games. What about the offensive line? You know, Brian Kelly's pretty high on that. I have my questions. I think there is a lot of. I think there's. I think there's a lot of issues there. I mean, you're. You got a guy in Garrett Dellinger who's going to be starting at center for the very first time. You're going to have a, a true freshman at left tackle and Will Allen, or Will Campbell, excuse me. Uh, you're going to have a couple of transfers at the guard position. Uh, you're, you're talking about a guy that was at FIU. Uh, East Tennessee State. I mean, I, I, I think I think that's going to be a work in progress all season long. And to me, uh, I think it's going to be an issue. And I think it's going to lead to problems with LSU having a lot of consistency on offense. Uh, I mean, they're talking it up right now. I think they're they're kind of they're they're trying to portray a good situation there. But I think it's it's not the situation that any team would want to go into knowing that you, you're, you're starting a true freshman at left tackle and then at center, which is arguably the second most important position on an offensive line, you got a guy playing at that position that's never played it before, and there's going to be a learning curve there. And, you know, I know a lot was made out of the fact that there were some missed snaps during a, a scrimmage last week, and, and then apparently it was better on Saturday, but still. Um, let's wait till it's you know the the bullets are really flying, and let's see how well he performs. It's a concern in my mind. It's a concern. I, I know Brian Kelly has has been talking about a, a lot of different position groups and feeling a lot better about the depth that he's got there and the players that he has there. And but I don't know about that offensive line. I, I just think there's. There's a lot of to me that's there's some concerns and the and to think that they're going to be really good this season, I I don't know. Maybe by the end of the year they can be, but but at the start I think it's going to be there's going to be some growing pains there. Talking with Jeff Palermo, the Louisiana Radio Network co-host of Tiger Rag Radio, he joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's switch sides. Let's go to the defense. Front seven, tons of it. You know, you got a lot of experience coming back. That should be the strength of the team. Brian Kelly said after Saturday's scrimmage he likes where they're at with their edge rushers. Is the front seven for the Tigers their biggest strength period on the team overall? Well, I mean, certainly the defensive line, and I think you could throw the linebackers in there as well. So, yeah, I would say the front seven seems to me what they they feel pretty good about, uh, especially that defensive line. I mean – it's Mason Smith has been has been a problem. He's been an issue for LSU's offensive line. He can have a, a really good season. Ojolari, Ali Gay, uh, you got two good pass rushers there. Uh, that that defensive line should be formidable. I mean, it's 
I think uh, it's one of the best in the Southeastern Conference, and I think they're going to lean on it quite a bit this season. You know, Coach Kelly continues to say that secondary is a, is a position that he really feels very good about at this point, that, that they've kind of turned a, a corner there. Um, Major Burns apparently has been has had a really good camp based on what Brian Kelly has, has talked about. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting to see this um, Colby Richardson, the story of him. I mean, here's a guy that was a transfer out of McMahon, out of, I mean, he went to McMain High School, went to McNeese, um, and he, he's bulked up, and all of a sudden now he's he's one of their one of their top cornerbacks at the at the at the moment. So as they're kind of waiting for some other guys to really get healthy and, and maybe lock down that other cornerback position. So uh, it's kind of interesting how that guy uh, has has all of a sudden really developed into someone that uh, that they're counting on this year. So. Uh, we'll see how that works. I mean, again, you're talking about a big jump. You're going from FCS football to SEC football and trying to deal with SEC receivers. And it might look good on the practice field. What it, what it looks like on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night could be a totally different story. Jeff, we'll get you out of here with this. What you guys got lined up this week for Tiger Rag Radio, bud? Well, obviously, uh, you know, Brian Kelly is actually going to be speaking during our show, so we'll we'll get an update there as far as what may, whatever new nuggets that he uh, delivers after that scrimmage. So we'll certainly talk about that. Uh, I believe we're going to have Glenn Gilbo on. He's got the new book, uh, the Skip Bertman book, that looks back at uh, the building of the dynasty. So we'll we'll discuss that. We'll also break down some things that. Jay Johnson, Jay Johnson speaking today, along with the new assistant coaches as that baseball roster for 2023. I don't want to say it's finalized, but it's not at the uh, school starts. Uh, I think Jay Johnson feels a little more comfortable as far as talking about who's on the team. And I don't know if he'll talk about who isn't, but he's got a better idea, much better idea who's on the team now than say a month ago. So we'll, we'll talk about that and uh, any other football news that uh, comes about. So uh, a lot to get to here is uh, we're getting closer to that season opener against Florida State. Bud, appreciate your time. As always, Jeff, have a tremendous week. Have a great Tiger Rag Radio, and we'll talk to you next Monday, brother. All right, sounds good, Raymond. You have a good one. It's Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio joining us here on RP3 and Company. we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll update the poll question of the day. Wrap up hour number two. We got a great third hour on deck. That's all coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues, fellas. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, which by the way, is free to join, is easy to join. You just got to go visit 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Sign up for the Rewards Club. There's even a video to show you how to do it. Once you become a member of our club, you're going to have opportunities, chances to cure those date night blues. That way you can take your lady out for a good time. Show her how much you appreciate her. I'm talking... $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. 
a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All of those are inside the Rewards Club. All of those are there to help you with your date night blues. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of, of the Game Clubhouse. Go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today and let us help you with your date night blues. Poll question of the day. Do you believe that Gilkin's drug test was random? I'm talking about the New Orleans Saints star punter who booted the ball 81 yards in Friday night's preseason game against Green Bay. And then the following day, he gets informed by the NFL. Hey, bud, check it. It's time for a random drug test. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that for a second. We asked you, do you believe it? 78% of you say no, he punted at 81 yards. 12% say maybe. Coincidences do happen. I love that optimism. 10% say yes, the NFL wouldn't lie. Is Rob Lowe voting on this poll question? You know, Rob Lowe doesn't root for a team, just has a hat at ball games with the NFL logo on it. That's Roger Goodell's boy. Brad says no. Like Bama bias, everyone knows the conspiracy against the Saints is real. Quote, you may be paranoid, but that doesn't mean they're not after you, end quote. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three coming up. We're going to talk McNeese football. That's next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Menise Cowboys are about to kick off a new era in football and hopefully an era that's going to result in consistency on and off the field, the program being ran the right way, and ultimately resulting in more wins than losses and bringing the Cowboys back to prominence, a position they held for a long time in the Southland Conference and one they're hoping to get back to under new head coach Gary Goff. They're wrapping up fall camp as well. They'll be opening up the season Labor Day weekend by traveling up to Bozeman, Montana to take on Montana State, the number two ranked team in the country in FCS level. To break down what's going on in Lake Charles with the McNeese Cowboys under Gary Goff is the sports director for KLPC, Matthew Travis. Matthew, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for making the time, bud. Thank you for making the time. So let's get right to it. Kid from Georgia Southern, that's going to be the starting quarterback, correct? Is that what you're seeing? Is that what you're hearing? And when do you think that decision is going to be made? Uh, so we, uh, 
we we don't have an official decision yet. Um, Knox Tatum started throwing again um, two weeks ago, but really ramped it up last week and participated in the scrimmage on Friday this past week. But Cam Ransom is the one who looked a little better. He went for 167 yards and three touchdowns. Plus, when he was rushing, he added uh, 19 yards and a touchdown as well, while Kadem threw an interception, four touchdowns, and didn't really didn't really use his feet at all. Cam Ransom is the one who kind of is more mobile, and he, he, uses, he is able to get the most out of the offense in ways that Kadem really can't. Um, Ransom is the one who's looked a little better. He took a couple more reps with the first team on Friday, so he he's the one I expect to start. But I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be surprised if Tatum is used at some point this season. Goff is known for his air raid, so um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if two quarterbacks are used. The second being Tatum, because last week Walker Wood, who was in the battle. He was moved back to wide receiver where he played last season. So um, it's between Ransom and Kadem, and Ransom come, is the one from Georgia Southern, like you mentioned, and he's the one I do expect to start. But um, we don't have an official decision yet. We don't. All we also don't know when that decision is going to be made. But I, I, I would imagine it would probably be after the mock game on Saturday, which take pl- which takes place Saturday at 8 a.m. So. I would imagine we have a decision early next week, maybe Monday, when uh, Coach Goff talks to the media. You're excited about that 8 a.m. simulated game on Saturday, I can already tell, Matthew. So, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very much looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, so uh, you mentioned Walker Wood, and, and look, he was in the mix during the spring, and now they're going to put him back at wide receiver. He, he's an athletic kid. Uh, probably just not a quarterback, right? So uh, what can we expect from his transition back to wide receiver? Do we really expect him to be that much of an impact player after taking reps in the spring and most of the summer at quarterback? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I was a little a little surprised personally because um, he was the only quarterback participating for a while because Cam Ransom was dealing with a tweak back, so he, he didn't participate in the first scrimmage, and then Knox Kadem, I mentioned, he just got back this past week because he had thumb surgery earlier this summer. So because of that, Wood was the only one getting reps, and he was the only one really showing Coach Goff what he could do. And then within less than a week after Kadem began throwing again, Wood was moved back to wide receiver. But... um McNeese has some good wide receivers. Mason Pierce is going to be the top guy carrying the load. He didn't participate much in the scrimmage on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday, but that's just because Coach Goff knows what he's getting out of here, so it's not like he needs to see him. But Kobe Duru and Josh Matthews were also very impressive. Duru went for 92 yards and two touchdowns, while Matthews went for 88 and a touchdown. So, it's going to be a little difficult for Walker to kind of find his find his footing in that wide receiver core because there are three at the top who are just very very good, and it's going to be going to be difficult for him to get opportunities to show what he is. And he he just moved to wide receiver this week, less than three weeks before a game against you mentioned it, the number two team in on the FCS level, Montana State, who just lost in the national championship game. So 
I definitely wouldn't expect to see him much, if at all, against the Montana State game. Against Montana State, and then maybe not against Rice, because that's not an easy game either. We're talking with Matthew Travis. He's the sports director at KPLC in Lake Charles. Matthew, let's talk about the offensive line, because it really wasn't all that good under Frank Wilson. Uh, and the team wasn't all that good under Frank either, to be perfectly <laughs> fair. What do you make of what you're seeing out of camp with the O-line? Because they want to run that air raid, but you can't run it if the O-line doesn't block. The offensive line has looked – I was not here last year, but from what I've heard and from what I've seen, the offensive line has looked a lot better. They did struggle a little on um, Friday before getting into the red zone drill, but – Everyone except for Deontay McMahon, the running back, was struggling before on the offensive level. They were struggling before they got into the red zone drill because there were only two touchdowns before they got into red zone, one of which came from Deontay McMahon on the first drive of the day because he, he, he he's going to be huge for them. They are going to run the air raid, but he's going to be huge for them because he provides that threat out of the backfield. But the offensive line until Friday had looked a lot better. Friday they struggled a little bit, but when they got into the red zone, they seemed to help the offense score every single drive. Uh, I would expect them to be at least improved from last season, but still, still a work in progress. Running back, you, you mentioned one of them, and, and they got some talented guys. What can we expect – the role of the running back to play in Gary Goff's air raid style offense this season? So I asked him exactly that two weeks ago, and he told me it, it's great because Deontay McMahon has been the one who has proved he's going to be the starting back, and he was only he only got two rushes on Friday, but that's because Coach Goff told me after the scrimmage that he knows what he's getting after McMahon, so – he has them go out there for one uh, for one drive, and then he stands right next to Coach all night. So um, he, they provide a threat with with McMahon and also um, Josh Parker and D'Angelo Durham. They have three very good running backs who, if one, God forbid, they get injured or if they are just tired and need a break, they can put the other one in there and pick up right where they left off. So. They have three very good running backs, and Coach told me he likes to run the air raid, but part of having a good air raid is the threat of having good running backs who, if you're not throwing the ball, can tear you up that way as well. So I, I would expect to see them a lot, and if Cam Ransom is the one who starts, I would expect him to use his feet quite a bit. He rushed for, I mentioned, he ran for 19 yards and a touchdown on Friday, and I would expect him to – use his feet even more. He only ran it three times, but he provides a much bigger run threat than Knox Kadem does, which is kind of why I expect him to start over Kadem because part of having, like I said, part of having a good air rate is the ability to run the ball because you have to keep the defense guessing as opposed to we're just going to throw it until you give up. Um, so they have a very good run game, but Deontay McMahon is the leader in that, uh, that rush attack. Let's go to the defensive side of the football. Uh, they have some guys coming back, Kenzie and others, but they also lost a lot of guys to the NCAA transfer portal. 
where does the defense stand as we wrap up fall camp? The defense looked phenomenal on Friday. Like I mentioned, they they only gave up two touchdowns, and I, I believe it was fifty plays. And um, they the off the offense had countless three and outs and three and outs. So it was it was very difficult for the offense to score. The defense had five sacks. Two were Grayson Mays. One was Mason Kinsey, Will Rogers, and Kalen Chapel as well. But you mentioned Mason Kinsey. He's going to be a big piece on this on this defense. But Grayson Mays and Cordell Williams especially are going to be huge. Williams had three tackles for loss on Friday. And um, Mason Kinsey had one as well. They're kind of going to be the leaders. But the secondary is a lot better, too. We um, They just actually they just gave uh, one of them a – Full scholarship, Richard Akers. He was a walk-on who had been with the team since 2021, and he just got a uh, full scholarship, which is pretty cool. But the secondary has looked a lot better from what I from what I've heard, um, from what it was last season at least. Tyler Barnes did a great job on uh, on Friday. He had he had a couple uh, batted down passes, and he just looked good as a whole as well and um joe Kwai lewis had an interception on friday so that the defense is really at least on friday they were the strong suit and i would expect them to be a lot better than they were last season kicking has been an issue for this team for more than a few years uh, a couple of games could have probably been won a year ago if there was an actual kicker on the roster all reports that I'm hearing, Matthew, is that kicking's not going to be an issue this year. How strong is this special teams unit going to be for the Cowboys? It's at least going to be a lot better than it was. Uh, you, you mentioned that they strolled quite a bit last year, um, but then they got in a transfer from Ohio State and Garrison Smith and then one from Hutchinson Community College and C.J. Moya. Smith has um, emerged as the starter. He's the one from Ohio State, and He's looked pretty good, um, but it, it, it's hard to tell, at least with special teams, especially when you're going up against your own guys and they're maybe not giving 100% on special teams and trying to block kicks and everything of that nature. But um, Smith is going to be the starter at kicker, and it's it's going to be a lot better than it was last season. You mentioned that they struggled quite a bit, um, but – I don't think we'll truly see how good this team is until Rice or maybe Alcorn State when they uh, play at home under the lights again because Montana State's obviously a very, very good team. Um, so I don't think we're going to be able – it's going to be a true test of where this team is at until we get into the second and third games. Wrapping up our conversation with Matthew Travis, KPLC Sports Director. He joins us here on RP3 and Company talking all things McNeese. I want to wrap it up with this, Matthew. What's the buzz like uh, as someone who's over there about the new coach, a new era, and also the fact that they're going to have home games under the lights for the first time in years since Hurricane Lore? What's the buzz like about this season with Gary Goff and company? Especially around the team. Gary Goff has instilled a new energy that was not here previously. He has the 
motto of tough attitude discipline. He repeats it time and time again during practice, and that just means give your all and hold each other accountable. And they, the every single play, I asked all of them uh, after the first practice this summer what that means, and all of them were talking about how much of a culture change it has been and how, how much different it is with Coach Goff and how much better it is because he's instilling those three, those three words, tough attitude discipline. He's making them work. He's making them hold each other accountable, and he's making them work together. And around, around Lake Charles, people seem to be way more excited. Friday there were quite a few fans in the stands, and it was under the lights. So it was that first little taste of this is what it's going to be like. And I asked Coach Goff after the scrimmage as well as uh, Kobe Duru as well, and they said, I'm just excited not to have to play noon games. And Duru wasn't here, but he said every time I looked at a game, it was played during the daylight. And that's not that's not fan for us. That's not fan for you guys. That's not, that's not fun for the fans. So they're really looking forward to playing under the lights. And I think um, all of Lake Charles is as well. I think it's going to be very cool that that first game against Alcorn State when they put the lights on. I think it's going to be a better atmosphere than they've had in two years. Matthew, appreciate your time. Keep up the uh, tremendous work that you started to do over there at KPLC as the sports director. And uh, pace yourself, bud. You got McNeese and high school football. Uh, it's going to be a long, long few, three or four months in front of you, brother, but I know you'll be ready yep. and attack it with some vigor. Yep, heading out to two high schools today to do some previews. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's starting to ramp up. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. You have a good one. I think the expectation for the Cowboys is a winning record. Like, like that's the foundation. Once again, this is the first season at the helm in charge of a program that had been in disarray even before the Hurricanes. The APR issue and coaches treating the program like it was a revolving door. You know, they, they, they didn't have consistency. Kids need consistency. A program needs consistency. They lacked it. They had academic issues. Then the Hurricanes come. Then Frank Wilson comes, and he didn't do a very good coaching job. Now you have a guy who's structured, guy who's disciplined. He's turning things around. They got lights back inside the stadium. I think year one for Gary Golf in his new air raid offense and everything like that, I think if, if, if McNeese can win more games than they lose, that's a win because it's been a long time since they've been able to do that. Have a winning season. Get to seven wins, maybe eight. I think that's the ceiling. And be happy because that's the foundation year. And then you can build upon it. We've got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Hotline is open if you want to sneak a phone call in. Got to be quick about it. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. 
But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or your hips or your back, especially this time of year? You need to be moving pain-free, am I right? Hey, it's Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3, for the team at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is helping people here every single day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue with no drugs, no steroids, and guess what? No surgery. Listen, the old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got clinics here and all over America. This is the exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects and no downtime. Call QC Kinetics right now for a free consultation. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Poll question of the day. It's New Orleans Saints related. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know why? Because of the NFL. So Blake goes out there and punts the football 81 yards during the preseason game on Friday against the Green Bay Packers for the black and gold. Great, right? We heard reports as well that he was booting the ball around an average of 65 yards during practice yesterday inside the Caesar Superdome. They had to move it inside because of the weather. Amazing. NFL says, it's so amazing. It's time for a random, quote-unquote, drug test. (laughs) Oh, NFL, don't you ever change. Don't you ever change. God bless you. It's adorable. Random drug testing. It reminds me of a job I had years ago. First got into the media business. I did not look like the big, bald, and beautiful one that you see today. I had very long hair below my shoulders, multiple earrings, and uh, I was a smoker back then, and I drove around in a late 70s Cadillac. So when I was first hired at this newspaper job, appearing the way that I did, (laughs) I was drug tested so I could get the job. He had to go through the drug, t- and I passed, which was not surprising to me because I may have looked the part of stoner, but I was not. Not making this up. First four and a half months I worked there, I was drug tested the very first time, and then I was drug tested three more times. 
random drug screenings. I cut my hair, chop it all off, ponytail gone, long head of hair gone, shaved it down to what it's like today. Came back to work, unrecognizable. No one knew who I was. Actually, security guard stopped me. Said, sir, can I help you? I got I work here. I'm Raymond. You know how many times I was randomly drug tested after I got my hair cut? Zero. Zero. <laughs> wow, there was a couple of guys that looked like, you know, straight arrows that were doing all types of things off the clock. <laughs> so, I, so when, when, when Blake punts the ball 81 yards in a preseason game and then is notified by the NFL that he is has to take a random drug test. Yeah, uh, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> Just letting you know, not a coincidence whatsoever. 77% of you agree with me. No, he punted it 81 yards. 14% say maybe, maybe it's a coincidence. They do happen. And 9% of you say, yes, the NFL wouldn't lie. I'd love to know who those people are that voted for the NFL. Robert Duplachan says, coincidence in my opinion, if he was the only one tested, I may think different, but he wasn't. I may be the gullible one, but I don't think there was anything set up by Goodell, and I can't stand that man. I don't think it's a Roger Goodell thing, Robert. I think it's someone does something special, unique, it gets on their radar, and they they are suspecting him of doing something wrong, of taking performance-hancing drugs. That's what I think that's about. Oh, someone did something really good that stands out. That's like a highlight. Random drug testing time. Let's drug test a punter. <laughs> oh, man. No, I don't. I, look, I don't think Goodell sits in his ivory tower, so to speak, and is casting and everything like that. So forth and so forth. I, I don't I, I don't take that at all. I don't believe that. Do I think there's an attitude from the NFL front office about the Saints? Yeah. Yeah, there is. I think there's a bit of an attitude towards the Saints. Do I think someone sat in their office like, oh, the Saints punter, let's do this? No, I don't think it has anything to do with the Saints. I think it has more to do with the fact that he punted the ball 81 yards. And they're like, hey, hey time for a drug test. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids, right? This is a this is a friendly show. I know some of you out there want to get a little surly sometimes, want to get a little salty with the language. You know, you feel like you're in the back of a smoky room playing cards. You know, look, this is not a poker game. It's a sports talk show, okay? It's a family-friendly event. Some people need to be reminded about that on a Monday. We got to take a time out. When we return here in RP3 and Company, we're going to be talking New Orleans Saints football. Big Easy Blitz is up next. Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast will be joining us talking all things black and gold. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. 
Oh, who that's going to get randomly drug tested by the NFL? <laughs> the punter is just the first of many. Do something sensational. Time to go pee in a cup. That's how it works in the National Football League. Right now, it's time for us to talk to someone who does not need performance-enhancing drugs to be amazing, to deliver the goods, traveling coast-to-coast, reporting on the Saints, giving you podcast information, breaking news on his Twitter account. It's time for us to talk to Ross Jackson. Ross, good morning. How are you, brother? Hey, buddy. I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I, listen, I, I was a big fan of the, uh, the, the weather in Green Bay. That can be considered a performance-enhancing drug all on its own but I am uh, glad to be home and glad to be back. What was it like covering a game inside Lambeau? So I was just there for the joint practices, but I will tell you that just being able to be in Lambeau at all was a pretty remarkable um, experience. I mean, I've, you know, back to watching, you know, games on ABC, Monday night football games and things like that. Like it's going back to, you know, seeing all of the historical moments and what is one of the most, you know, history venues in not just football, but all of sports. And then being able to just mosey around, you know, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty incredible. So it was, uh, it was an awesome experience for sure. What was your biggest takeaway from the joint practices that you saw up close and personal there in Lambeau? What stood out? Yeah, a couple little things. Um, you know, James Winston was still kind of working his way back during that point. I mean, technically he's still working his way back as well. He took some steps forward. Uh, yesterday with getting involved in seven on sevens but you know we saw this offense and this this offense led by Andy Dalton and Ian Book some more and then we got to see a little bit more from uh from the defense of course as well the defense was really the standout story and one of the things that I always try to highlight when I talk about how well the defense performed over those two days was just sort of the diversity of names the the variety of names that continuously made plays you had the guys that you expect Marshawn Lattimore Paulson Adebo Demario Davis Cam Jordan but you also had guys like Malcolm Roach and then, of course, newcomers like Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. You had players like Chase Hansen and Eric Wilson making big plays. So it, I think that that's one of the things that stood out to me the most was the New Orleans Saints not just having over on the defensive side stars making plays, but names all over the roster and all over the depth chart making plays. A lot of talent on this New Orleans Saints roster. Not a lot of spots left to claim, but a lot of talent on that roster, particularly over on the defensive side. Ross, let's discuss the defensive side of the football first. I keep hearing rumblings about Peyton Turner. What do you make of the second-year young man out of University of Houston? Yeah, but I think he started off with a strong camp. I think he's been a little – he's had some more quiet moments towards more recent practices, but he's also had those big standout moments as well. I asked him how it is that he would describe his – uh, training camp so far and we kind of you know settled on the word flashy he's had these kind of big moments but what his big focus is right now is finding consistency and it's hard to find consistency consistency when you're on the field off the field on the field off the field like you are during training camp uh, but you know we've gotten to see him take quite a few snaps in the preseason so far and so you know he's just looking to find ways to turn all of that production that he's been getting on those sort of sporadic snaps that he's seen Obviously, last year there were few and far between while he was managing injury and, and navigating all of that. So I think that you know his ability to impact plays or to, to create impact plays and his ability to be as disruptive as he is in the backfield is something that the New Orleans Saints absolutely want to see 
uh, you know, more down in and down out and something that he wants to show there too. So I think you're seeing the big flashy moments. You're seeing all the things and the traits that make him special, but now you're just waiting for him to be able to get the opportunity to put it together on a consistent down-by-down basis. Do you believe he can be consistent down-by-down? Because they kind of need him to be that, correct? Yeah, they do, and especially right now with, you know, uh, managing injury still for uh, Marcus Davenport, although he's, you know, been more involved here as of late, but you're still managing injury there and recovery as well. And so if the season begins and you feel a little bit shorthanded or you can't have Marcus Davenport go 100%, then, you know, Peyton Turner gets a lot of opportunity there along with Carl Granderson and potentially Taco Charlton and, of course, across the way, uh, Cameron Jordan. And so – you know, if he gets the opportunity and he sees a lot of snaps early on in the season, then he'll he'll need to be that guy. Can he do it? It's a little bit more of a wait-and-see game. There are a lot of things that are clear in terms of what he brings you, his traits, his size, his um, his mobility at that size, his, his agility, all of those things. They absolutely, you know, stand out when he has those moments where he pops off. But if he's going to do it down by down, he has to be able to be on the field down by down, which is what we haven't really been able to see in this training camp environment just yet. So it is a little bit of wait and see. But what I can say is that if he can produce consistently and take the production that he's already put together and produce it on a a greater down by down basis, then he becomes an extremely disruptive and highly valuable player at the position. We know linebackers pretty much set with Demario and Pete Werner. The back end has some new faces and a ton of talent. With that abundance of talent in the secondary, are we going to see that defense look differently? And what I mean by that, Ross, is are we going to see new wrinkles to the scheme of what they're going to do in their nickel package or whatever it might be under Dennis Allen? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think, you know, nickel kind of serves as their base package. So even even in their base package – that they're going to, you know, there's going to be a very big variety or, or, or wide variety of looks that they're going to give you, you know, plays where, you know, Tyron Matthews playing up against the line of scrimmage across from CJ Garner Johnson, other plays, only one of them will play up against the line of scrimmage, all the others in the box. You have two safety looks, single high safety looks, cover three looks. They'll have a lot of different things that they'll deploy over the course of the season. And the part that'll be very fun is that in, in typical, NFL fashion, but Sean Payton was one of the best at this. I think you'll see Dennis Allen do this too, is set up tendencies early on in the season so you can break those tendencies later. And so some of the looks, the pre-snap looks that rotate into post-snap looks that you'll see weeks one through five, you'll see again weeks 10 through 17, but then they'll look different or there'll there'll be a different result post-snap or they'll rotate a different way or different players will be involved, things like that. So I think that you know with all of the talent that they have there going from they're starting five in terms of the two safeties and Marcus and Matthew, your corners and Adebo and, and Lattimore, and then your slot corner uh, slash nickel safety in C.J. Garner-Johnson. But then you also get to roll in guys like Alante Taylor. You get to roll in guys like Bradley Roby, who has been so good over the course of camp so far. And Roby can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. you got P.J. Williams that can play all over the place. So they'll, they'll mix up and, and kind of mix and match the secondary uh, kind of I imagine the same way that they do with the defensive line to where they'll shift personnel, but they'll also shift what the looks look like pre and post snap pretty consistently in an attempt to just create that split second of confusion or hesitation for the opposing quarterback, which allows the pass rush potentially to get home. I'm talking with Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and company for the Big Easy Blitz. Special teams, Will Lutz looks 
like the guy even before the injury, right? I mean, at the end of 2020, he was struggling a bit. He struggled a bit during that season, even before he got injured last year. How much of a game changer is Will Lutz, how healthy Will Lutz for this team? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, you saw the 59-yard field goal against the Packers. And just last night in the uh, the open dome practice that the Saints had, he finished off. So there was, there was a drill they did at the very end of practice. Andy Dalton had 38 seconds to lead the offense from one side of the 50 to field goal range. And they got there. And Will Lutz just kicks a, you know, casual 57-yard field goal that splits the uprights right down the middle and had plenty of leg left uh, to get there. He's 39-41 of so far throughout camp, including that kick and not including the actual preseason game kick. And, you know, that just changes the entire dynamic for you. I mean, that comfortability with your with your special teams operation wins you games. I mean, you've got a guy in Will Lutz who's booting 59-yard field goals like it's nothing. And then on the other hand, you have a punter like Blake Gillikin who's getting, quote-unquote, randomly drug-tested for 81-yard punts. I mean, those are huge, huge additions to the way that you're able to play a football game every Sunday. And so I think just having Lutz back is such a huge piece because if you had him last year, you might be talking about two additional wins an 11-6 and six season, and we're having a very different conversation over the course of the offseason about what this team is or isn't, right? And so uh, I think having that consistent presence there and having you know that player that you can always rely on from wherever on the field effectively, uh, let alone an extra point where the Saints struggled a lot last year, it, it, it's huge. And, and it's, it, it's got to be something that's relieving for the organization and I'm sure relieving for Saints fans as well. Ross, let's go to the offensive side of the football Saints fans got a little uh, nervous yesterday with the news of Michael Thomas was being held at practice uh, on Sunday due to a minor hamstring issue. Uh, do Saints fans have cause to be worried? I mean, I think it's warranted. I think it's warranted because, I mean, it stinks anytime that you have a guy that's you know done what Michael Thomas has done and that he you know has fought back to get back out on the field and then all of a sudden there's there's a new injury there. I'm sure it's frustrating for him and I understand why why folks would be concerned. It is another wait and see situation. I mean, we'll see how quickly he gets back out on the field. Perhaps it's a situation where you have a hamstring kind of tweak. You know that the turf has just been laid down in the Superdome, and so instead of pushing it and pushing him out there, you kind of hold him back and say, "Don't worry about it. We'll get you back out on the practice field, and you know something you're a little bit more familiar with, and maybe get a little bit of work in, and then get you back on Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that." Or you know, it's bigger than that. We just simply don't know at this time, and so. We'll have to see, you know, over the course of this week, if he's able to get back out there and if he's able to be there. The good news is that you don't need him this weekend. You don't need him up against the, you know, in a preseason game against the Chargers. I think all, um, all focus is going to be on making sure that Michael Thomas is ready to go uh, week one. And I'll tell you, with what we've seen so far during training camp, if, if number 13 doesn't get out there for the rest of camp and, you know, doesn't return to the practice field until they're practicing to go up against the Atlanta Falcons, and he's still out there week one, he's still going to perform well because he has been absolutely outstanding here over the course of camp. And so I think managing the injury and being overly cautious around that hamstring injury, as we know, it's something that can be nagging, if, if not you know, handled correctly, needs to be kind of the first and foremost uh, uh, kind of priority here. I want to talk about a guy that you and I both like a lot, and that's the undrafted rookie out of Nichols. Jackson Mm -hmm. Uh, he has balled out 
during rookie camp, mini camp, and training camp in the preseason. He sure does look to me like a guy that's fighting to earn a spot on the 53-man roster. It looks like he belongs on a 53-man roster. What do you think is going to happen with Dixon? Yeah, I think I think Dejon Dixon is is in position to continue to fight for a wide receiver spot and continue to fight for a roster spot. The, the issue will be, you know, what are the numbers? How many spots are are maintained? Because you have to figure the top four are already locked in, and Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, and Deontay Hardy. So, are you fighting for two more spots for six? There is Marquez Callaway already kind of locked in. So, even if they do keep a six, is there only one spot, or is there just the fifth spot there? So. I think that, you know, the numbers game is a little bit kind of out of his control. But if nothing else, he should be a practice squad addition or end up with another opportunity somewhere else. I mean, the guy is six foot four, six foot three, two hundred and fifteen plus pounds, two hundred plus pounds, and you know, doesn't move like that. He moves like a you know, a smaller receiver, but is also a big time red zone threat. I mean, we saw him in seven on sevens yesterday, sky over Paul Sanadivo, who's been electrifying in camp so far and pull in a touchdown, just a, a, a nice jump ball touchdown in the back of the end zone. Like That's exactly what it is that he brings to you know the NFL field. It's exactly what it is that he brings to the playing field. And so he's highly competitive. He's very smart. And he's somebody that I think can show you, you know, shows you consistently what he can do as a receiver. But he's got to be able to do more. He's got to be able to do these things on special teams. He's got to be able to contribute in the run game as a run blocker. I mean, it brings you back to Emmanuel Butler. Emmanuel Butler had these really great highlight moments during – uh, camp, but couldn't put it together in the preseason. I think Dejon Dixon has done a better job in the preseason so far, but also couldn't put it together in terms of contributing on special teams. And Dennis Allen has specifically said that that's a place where Dixon needs to get better. If he can do that over the course of this week and show his value, he at least locks himself up a practice squad spot, if not a better spot with the Saints or with another team. Trevor Penning looked a lot better on Friday night. Do you still believe that he's going to start the season as the sixth offensive lineman, or do you think there's an opportunity for him to seize a starting role before the start of the season? Definitely an opportunity for him there. Right now, James Hurst is uh, is injured. He's dealing with a foot injury, and so we didn't see him. You know, He left practice on Wednesday, actually, as did Trevor Penning, but Trevor Penning came back, and then uh, James Hurst and Ryan Ramchick and Landon Young and you know, just this endless list of offensive tackles, unfortunately. The Saints had to deal with injuries that position pretty um, to, to, to a pretty wide degree uh, last week. And so, you know, Trevor Pitting got a lot of opportunity because of that. He got more opportunity yesterday. Him and Ryan Ramchek were lined up across from one another, which is exactly what the Saints hope to see as sort of the future bookends of their offensive line. And so I think that there's absolutely an opportunity for him there. Um, but but I, I will say that I think that if, if James Hurst starts at left tackle, I don't know if Trevor Penning just becomes the immediate backup to left tackle or if he does become that sixth offensive lineman because if Landon Young is healthy, Landon Young can play on either side of the line. So I just wonder if his if his familiarity with lining up on either side of the line maybe puts him ahead of Trevor Penning for that specific role, and then Trevor Penning settles in and continues to learn at left tackle. So it be interesting to see how they handle that sixth offensive lineman assignment, but you know, if James Hurst right now, who's dealing with this injury, if he remains out for the rest, you know, for you know the rest of the week or anything like that, Trevor Penning's going to get a lot of opportunities to show what he can do. And I think that the more reps that he gets under him, the more comfortable he looks in the passing game, which is the place that he needs to show that improvement in order to win that starting role week one against Atlanta. Ross, always appreciate your time, brother. I know it's valuable. You're great at what you do. Keep up the tremendous work with the Locked On Saints podcast, bud, and everything else that you're doing. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks as always for having me on. I'll talk to you soon here. Uh, take care and stay safe, man. I'll talk to you in a little bit. It's Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast joining us there for the Big Easy Blitz. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show. Get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, let's take a moment to thank all the people that made today's show outstanding. What a way to start off the week. Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio talking all things LSU. Matthew Travis from KPLC in Lake Charles talking all things McNeese Cowboys. And Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast. Thanks to them for making that happen today. Let's check in on that poll question of the day. We asked you, do you believe Gilkin's drug test was random by the NFL after he booted the ball 81 yards in Friday night's preseason game? Final results, 78% of you say, no, 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 no. He punted it 81 yards. 14% say, maybe coincidences do happen, and 8% say, yes, the NFL wouldn't lie. I think we need to drug test the people that say the NFL wouldn't lie. Just throwing that out there. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parch, the third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next, right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.